into the building there, all right? <laughs> if the Lord tarries, uh, there they are, your Sunday school teachers and pastors and missionaries. Well, it's good to see every one of you. Uh, I notice uh, we have uh, Kenneth and Dixie and Robert came back, amen. Amen. I, I thought, and, and where's Amy? We have, did someone say Carol? Carl. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's not, it's not Robert, it's Carl. Charles. Oh, Charles, that's right. Robert, I'm sorry for calling you Charles. <laughs> and Charles, I'm sorry for calling you Robert. <laughs> well, it's good to have Charles with us and, and Kenneth and Kenneth and Dixie. And then, the, uh, where's Amy? I thought we had someone all the way from, oh, there you are. Here's him. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't be look in the back to see our guest, our visitors. They're usually <laughs> way back there, so they don't like the preaching. They can just, you know, slip out of here. <laughs> but anyway, thank you folks for coming. And so how are things up in the great Northwest? Doing well, wet. Well, it's dry down here. And so, Amy, you have some folks with you? Yeah, Jim brought the Clarks in, Dan Clark. Are, are you folks uh, at Wind Valley as well? Stanwood Bible Baptist, which is about 60 miles north of us. Oh, really? Oh, I, you know, I've, who's the pastor there? Pastor Stephen Castillo. Okay, yes. Well, amen. Well, it's good to have you folks with amen. us. Amen. To see every one of you. We yep. Just coming out of revival meeting with Brother... Dave McCracken, and so he's over in Bakersfield, and so if you want to go over there, you probably hear the same message because evangelists, they take the same message, and they usually write a new message about every three months. Uh, that way, that way they, uh, <clears throat> if God uses it here, he normally uses it there. Uh, and so, but anyway, it was a blessing to have Brother McCracken. We're going to get to hear him when we go to the uh, Master's men's meeting coming up in May, which is very soon. So uh, we'll look forward to some great preaching up there, a number of great preachers. I want you to take your Bibles this morning as we turn over to the Gospel of Mark. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to finish the Gospel of Mark. We won't be able to do all of chapter 16 this morning, but I want to conclude it tonight. As we stand in giving reverence to the reading of God's Word, I want us to begin with verse number 1. We're going to read down to verse number 13 and I'll make some remarks about what we read and then let you go home. Those remarks may take a while. So if you listen well, uh, I'll do my best to preach well and we'll get you out of here in, in well in good time. In verse number 1, Gospel of Mark, verse number 1, chapter 16, so when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. Him would be his body. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away.
for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell the disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. And so they went out quickly. They fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them, that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in other forms unto two of them as they walked and went unto the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, Neither believed they them. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless our time together. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as we go through this last and final chapter of uh, Mark's gospel, we find, first of all, that Christ is risen. And uh, we need to emphasize that when he was risen, he was bodily risen. And then to prove that he was bodily risen, he bodily appeared unto uh, first Mary Magdalene and then the other Mary and then eventually unto the apostles and then eventually before he ascended up into heaven, he bodily appeared unto as many as 500. And many of those disciples, after his resurrection, had the opportunity to touch and to handle the body of the resurrected Savior. And so, thirdly, we find that in this passage and relating passages, there is strong rebuke for their unbelief. And then we get into his great commission and ascension. When I'll be able to do all of this in this morning hour, but tonight, if you'll come back, we'll share some important things for you uh, about uh, the conclusion to this chapter. As you notice, <clears throat> when Jesus Christ was announced by the angel that we have to compare Scripture with Scripture to understand that this was not just a young man, it was an angel that appeared to be as a young man. We find in Matthew's gospel, as it is recorded in chapter 28, beginning with verse number 2, that the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone. 
In other words, <clears throat> this angel came all the way from heaven. <laughs> and he got there in a moment of time, in a blink of an eye. Somewhere out there in the northern skies, Amen. beyond uh, our galactic system, beyond, beyond the Milky Way, beyond all the various solar systems that God has created, there is a place called heaven. And this angel had traveled all the way from heaven to earth. And so when he travels, he comes to a place called Jerusalem, uh, to the garden tomb, and he rolls back to stone. Now, the Bible doesn't say he just rolls it back. He throws it back. <laughs> and, of course, it was a very heavy stone. Now, he had the strength to completely obliviate the stone. One angel, as we read in the Old Testament, wiped out a Syrian army of more than 185,000 people. And so <clears throat> here this young, handsome angel is sitting upon a stone right next to where they had laid Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when... Uh, these women saw this angel, they were terrified. And they fled from the place. But they did say, and others heard, what they had seen, and the people did not believe. So we read in verse number 3 that his countenance was like lightning. I don't know if you've ever appeared at lightning very long, but lightning is very quick. Lightning strikes very quick. Lightning is very bright, and lightning can be very powerful. And so this is the angel that they were looking at. And his raiment, white as snow. Now what's exciting to me is to think that one day, we who are lower than the angels will one day be greater than the angels. And we will appear as lightning. And our countenance will be as bright as the morning sun. Our apparel will be white and pure and clean. And we will have power. And we will have the ability to ascend into heaven and descend back to earth. <laughs> uh, it takes billions of dollars just to engineer a, a spacecraft that can go 240,000 miles to the moon and back. And we go further than that. I mean, we're talking light years before you get out of this cloud seat. And uh, yet we're going to have bodies like that. Amen. That sounds exciting to me. And so the angel answered and said unto the women, as we read in Matthew's gospel, chapter 28 and verse number five. The angel answered and said unto the woman, fear not, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. These angels believed what Jesus said, but the disciples didn't believe. And they didn't believe the testimony of these women. And when Jesus showed up and spoke with the Emmaus disciples, the disciples on the Emmaus road, we don't know who those disciples were. Christ had more than just 12 disciples. He had 12 apostles, but he also had some disciples. And when they had met with the apostles and told the apostles what they had seen, they still didn't believe. 
What's interesting is how God has used angels down through the pages of the Word of God. We find that at the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, angel appeared unto Abraham announcing what would come. An angel appeared unto Mary and unto Gabriel announcing the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Angel appeared unto Zechariah, also giving the announcement. The Bible makes it very clear that when Jesus Christ ascended up in the heaven, they, uh, there was two angels that suddenly appeared and said, this same Jesus that you have seen ascend into, up into the clouds and then vanished out of your sight, he will also come in like manner. And we are told that one day very soon, there's going to be an angel with a loud voice. He's going to pick up the trumpet. The archangel is going to blow the trumpet. And uh, suddenly we're going to be out of here. We're going to get to meet those angels. But more important than that, we're going to get to meet our Savior. For we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And uh, what will get us out of here is when we hear the voice of the archangel. The apostle John was caught up in the heaven. It was the angel that took John and showed him what is to come. God one day will introduce to you the angel that's been with you, protecting you as you walk through this life. Something else that we notice is <clears throat> It was on the first day of the week that this angel appeared. It was on the first day of the week that the stone was rolled away. It was on a Sunday. <laughs> Why did God choose a Sunday to be the day of his resurrection? Because Sunday is the first day. And the first day goes all the way back to the first day that God created. As far as we understand, this solar system that we live in. We read in Genesis chapter 1, verse number 3, through verse number 5, that God said, Let there be light. You see, the earth did not exist. There was no solar system in this part of what we might want to call space. And God looked out into that empty place that was void, and God saw as the earth was without form and without any life, it was totally void, and there was nothing but darkness. And God said, let there be light. There was no sun. There were no moon, there were no stars, there was nothing there to light up the earth. But God said, let there be light. And we wonder, well, what was that light? If there was no sun, if there was no moon, if there were no solar systems to light up what was standing out there in darkness and that was totally void, well, where did the light come from? What was the light? But God said, let there be light. And so there was light. 
And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. You ever wonder why God called Jesus the day star? Because it was the day star that lit up what was void and in total darkness. Jesus Christ <clears throat> made that very clear that he is the light of the world. Amen. He was the one that lit up the world when the world was void and there was no moon, there were no stars, there was no galactic system. It just simply stood there without form, without void. Are with totally in voidness. So God called that day Sunday. <laughs> we read over in John's Gospel, chapter one, beginning with verse number four, that in him was life, and the life was the light, the light of men. You see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And all things that are were created by Him, and without Him was not anything created. For all things are created by Him, and He is the life, and He is the light. Amen. The Bible says, in Him was life and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Praise the Lord. Jesus Christ was in a dark tomb. There was no light. There was no life in that dark tomb. And God, at the very appointed time on that third day, after his soul had departed his body and spent some time down in the lower parts of the earth. As he spent some time with the thief on the cross in paradise. As he went down there in that place called paradise. And as he led those that were in paradise into the glorious kingdom of heaven. Then all of a sudden... When his soul entered back into that lifeless body, there was life in the tomb. And there was light in the tomb. For he is life and he is light. And the darkness comprehended it not. Darkness is a picture of death. And to comprehend means to apprehend. And darkness was not able to apprehend the life and the light of God. But the light of God broke through in the darkness and apprehended the darkness. Once we get into glory, there'll be no darkness. Amen. And so we call it Sunday. We read in Malachi chapter 4 verse number 2 that... Uh, Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness. And the son, S-U-N, of righteousness has healing in his wings. It's interesting when we learn some things about the light. We are told by scientists that the sun supports better sleep. Sunlight supports better sleep. 
It sets people's serotonin into rhythm by regulating the level of melatonin and the amount of serotonin that is secreted from those little tiny serotonin bags that are in your brain that God put there. Five various chemicals, endorphins and serotonin and melatonin to give you the right kind of mood, to lift you up and to give you a great spirit. And it is sunlight that regulates the level of those chemicals that God has put within our brain. And He is the Son of Righteousness that brings healing. We are told that from the sunlight, it uplifts the mood. Getting natural sunlight increases and produces what is known by scientists as vitamin D. Vitamin D helps with depression. It helps improve overall mental health and well-being. It's important to get plenty of sunlight. It increases energy. We understand based on science that sunshine gives signals to the brain that alerts and awakes us. So getting outdoors and living in the outdoor makes you more lively and more energetic. When you're near the sun of righteousness, there's life and there's energy. <laughs> We're told that it improves mental symptoms of health. Studies suggest that bright sunlight is a therapy that helps bipolar depression. It uh, helps the attention definite deficit disorder. It is the light therapy that they have experienced that helps in many disorders. People who sit in darkness tend to go into depression. It lowers blood pressure. It lowers the risk of metabolic syndrome. It heals inflammation. It prevents certain cancer from the Vitamin D that comes from the ultraviolet B rays, not the A rays. It builds stronger bones through the vitamin D. It absorbs calcium and phosphates. All of this coming from the sunlight as it gives these vitamins to the soil. And the soil is neutralized by the sunlight. Without the sun, we would not be able to grow what we grow. It extends life expectancy. A study was done in Sweden with more than 30,000 women over the age of 20. It proved that those that spend more time in the sun live longer than those that spend less time in the sun. What is interesting in Scripture is we're told that the Lord Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness. And that God has raised him up. And he is the light of the world. And he's the one that lights up our soul. And he puts healing within our soul. Healing within our hearts. And healing within our minds. There's something powerful about the son of God. That son of righteousness that takes possession of your soul. 
In Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse number 1, we are told by the Apostle Paul, the servant of Jesus Christ, who was called to be an apostle of God, who was separated unto the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which he had promised aforetime by his prophets the Holy Scriptures concerning the Son of Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God, that in him there is power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's just something wonderful that took place in the life of Jim Nolan. The moment that I opened up my heart and I received in my life, that God began to change my life and deliver me from the maladies of my flesh and the maladies of my mind and all the, the corruption of my soul. And he lifted up my spirit and he began to put joy in my heart that I never experienced before. And God has assured me of his presence and has given me the power and the desire to live for him. All when I put my faith in the resurrected Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, without the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, darkness would have apprehended life. And with darkness in the world, with no light, there would be no life. But Jesus Christ is the light of the world because he is the life of the world. We are told that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ has a continual ministry. Without the Lord Jesus Christ, our salvation would not be secure without his presence before the Heavenly Father. We're told in Hebrews 7 and verse number 24 and 25 that this man, because he continueth forever, hath unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing that he ever liveth to make intercession for them. My salvation does not rest in my ability to secure my salvation and to keep me from falling. No, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. By his grace and through his power, he lifts me up. Through his mercy and through his grace, he forgives me. Through his precious blood, he atones me. And by his presence in the very glory room of the heavenly father, he intercedes on my behalf. And he ever lives to assure that all that he has promised me, he will fulfill. That's what we have in this risen Savior. We are also assured, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 14, that we who believe that Jesus Christ not only went to the cross and died for our sins, and not only was he buried in the tomb for three days and three nights, but because we believe from our heart that God had raised him from the dead. And because we have confessed with our mouth Jesus Christ is Lord. And we have received him into our hearts to be our Savior. Therefore, we are assured that by the same resurrection power that he raised up his own body, he will also raise up our bodies. For we are told that this is imperative. 
It is a condition that God has placed on salvation. That we must not only believe, but we must confess. That we are trusting in a risen Savior. For we are told in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse number 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. You see, if is a supposition. It's based on a condition. We can't just say, well, I believe that Jesus Christ died. I don't know about this resurrection thing. I'm not sure about that. But I believe his soul lives. You see, there are people out there that say, oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. He was raised spiritually. His soul lives. Your Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe that. But they don't believe that his body was raised. Oh, we need to be careful. Those people are anti-Christ. The Bible makes it very clear that when we see Jesus, we will appear as he is. And we will be like him as he is. Amen. Amen. To be like Jesus. Because I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that Jesus was buried. But I believe that he is more than a savior. I believe that he is more than the anointed one. I believe that he is God. Why? Because he raised up his own body. Only God can do that. Since he's God, he's going to raise me up. God has promised and God is immutable and God lies not. God's promises are yea and in those yeses there are no no's. And God has promised me that because I believe that Jesus died and rose again, I'm going to be raised up too. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus reveals God's eternal plan for our earthly bodies. Amen. <laughs> when I think of this, I, I really get excited because, you know, well, maybe, I, I know I don't look it, but I'll be 74 come my next birthday. I don't mean to be bragging, but there were some folks that thought Brother Dave McCracken was my age. And I said, well, thank you. How old do you think Brother Dave McCracken is? Oh, 85, 90. <laughs> I said, well, well, I don't know. Let's not go there. <laughs> but as we get older, as we get older, you know, there are arthritis and rheumatism. Five years ago, I was able to go from the cactus to the clouds. Five years ago, or less than that, my wife and I were able to go from the tram uh, to the summit of Mount San Jacinto. Uh, but uh, I don't think I can do that now. I mean, it just, it, it, just an, it, it creeps up on you when you're about 60 to 70. When you're in your 70s, as you move toward the 80s, it no longer creeps up on you. It's just suddenly there. You wake up one morning and say, where did that pain come from? And you look in the mirror and say, well, where did those wrinkles come from? Uh, what happened to my pompadour? <sighs> and so you look and say, well, boy, that's receding really far back there. What's going on here? <laughs> Praise the Lord. One of these days very soon, we're going to have a new body. 
And it's always going to look new. It'll never grow old. I like that song, we'll never grow old. Amen? What a wonderful promise that will be. And it's all because we serve a risen Savior. And we're assured of this when we read over in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 20. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does the Bible mean when it says our conversation? Well, the word conversation, there are many, we could get into all kinds of conversations. Conversation can be an intimate relationship between a husband and wife. Uh, Conversation could simply mean that there are two people that are communicating. Conversation in this particular passage means that there is a citizenship. A place where we live, a place of ownership, a place of residence, a place that we call home. That's what the word conversation here means. And so we could just simply paraphrase that our citizenship is not here. Uh, I'm not a United States citizen of uh, the United States. I mean, I'm not a citizen of uh, the United States of America. I'm just a sojourner passing by. My citizenship is in heaven. I have my name written down in the New Jerusalem. It's been written down by the Lord Jesus Christ in the Lamb's Book of Life. I have residence there. I have an address there. I have a home there. I have a builder who's a maker whose builder is God, and he went there to prepare a place for me, and he has my name on that address. And one day I'm going to get to see my home. Not only that, but he also has something very glorious in store for my soul. A brand new body, a body that will be fashioned like unto his glorious body. The Bible makes it very clear who shall change our I know some of you ladies probably don't like this, but our vile bodies. You know, at best, I don't care how much makeup we put, you ladies put on it. I don't care what we try to do to dress up our bodies. It's vile. And right now, now it may be young and beautiful, but just in time, you'll find out that it's going to grow older. It is corruptible. It is dying. The reason your body is dying daily, that's why the dogs can just about sniff you out. I mean, your body, as you walk along, you have cells dying by the millions that are falling to the ground. And that's how these dogs can sense that. And they just follow wherever you're going. They're following your body as it's dying. And as you travel down this road long enough, eventually it's going to waste away. But God has a brand new body. Because we have a risen Savior who will change our vile bodies that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body. According to the what? By the workings whereby He is able. The one who created man from the dirt of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life is forming and making something beautiful and glorious for you right now. 
He's got all of your attire, all of your clothing. He has jewelry for you. He's right now crafting a crown for you. One day you're going to be caught up into his presence. He has a beautiful white robe that he's going to put on your new body. He has a glorious crown that he's going to put upon your brow. He is going to raise you up in glory and he's going to seat you upon a throne and you're going to sit with him in majesty on high. We're all going to be gathered around a beautiful table called the marriage supper of the Lamb and he's going to say, this is my bride. Wow. All because we have a risen Savior. The resurrection of Jesus Christ the Son of the living God is so completely different and so unique from all the pagan religions of this world. We're told in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 10 through 12, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead. Excuse me. Jesus said, destroy this body and I will raise it up. Excuse me. In the book of Romans chapter 8, the Bible says that you and I will be raised up by the same spirit that raised up Jesus. Well, who raised up the body of Jesus Christ? God did. They are all the same. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. That's why you're baptized in one name. The Bible makes it very clear that when you trust the Lord Jesus Christ in obedience to Him, you're baptized in the name singular. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. There's no grammatical error because there's only one name. And Jesus is that name. And so there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Given among men. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. Now, Buddha did not die for your sins. Buddha did not raise from the dead. Allah does not love you. His great prophet Muhammad does not love Jews. He does not love other people. He gives out a jihadist against other people that go against him. Allah didn't come into this world and go to a cross and die for your sins. But Jesus did. And Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is Almighty God. You see, there's no one else. And by the way, let me also emphasize the fact that God saw fit to say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear you him. You want to glorify me, then you come through him. Uh, we must call upon the name of Jesus. You see, just simply saying, God save me is not enough. We must ask Jesus to save there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. We must call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. 
But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way I can get to God is through His Son. The only way that my sins can be forgiven is through His Son. I can only have redemption through His Son. I can only know that my sins have been totally remitted and I am justified by Almighty God through the resurrection of His Son who was raised for my justification. When I pray to my Heavenly Father, I must ask in the name of His Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. God has put great glory upon His Son. Well, let me just move to my second point. We'll be done. In verses 9 through 13, we have His bodily appearance. I know we read this, but I want to reread it in case you forgot what we read. In verse number 9, it says, Now when Jesus was risen from, or risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and she told them what had been with him, or he had been with them, as they mourned and wept. And they were so afraid. They, see, they didn't believe. They didn't believe anything that Jesus ever told them. They were fearful and afraid at the time of his trial. They were fearful and afraid at the time of his crucifixion. They were fearful and afraid even at the time of his resurrection. They were in hiding. And Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross. They're going to destroy this body in three days. I will raise it up. And after three days, I, I'm going to, I, want to meet, I want you to meet me over in Galilee. And so uh, after my resurrection, I want you to head on over there and I'll meet up with you. And they forgot all of that. And Jesus had to remind them, go tell them what I said before I was crucified. Go tell them that I'm risen. I told them that I would meet them over there. Wow. And they didn't believe it. And yet, God showed great grace upon them. And I tell you, he's very merciful. And Joseph of Arimathea had more faith than they did. And he was part of the Sanhedrin. So, here we are. And so Christ bodily appears. We read over in Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and verse number 37 through verse number 39, that when he appeared, they still didn't believe. I mean, he shows up. They're, they're in a room. They're hiding. They're fearful and afraid. And all of a sudden, there stands Jesus. And they still do not believe. They think it's an illusion. They think it's a spirit. I, I, yeah, I have a hard time understanding this, but these are his apostles. There's the grace of God. But, you know, before we get too hard on them, we must remember ourselves. Amen. The Bible says when Jesus showed up, notice in verse number 37, what does it say? They were terrified. They were affrighted. 
they supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hand, my feet. That is I, myself. Handle me and see. For spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. <laughs> Amen. I serve a risen Savior. You know what? He made such an impression upon this old world that today is the 27th of February, 2022, from the day of our Lord. Oh, you know, the liberals come along, they want to change all that. The devil doesn't like that, and eventually in the tribulation period, he's going to change the whole calendar because he does not like that. But that, that made such an impact upon the world that we measure all of our birthdays and anniversaries from that time. <laughs> Amen. Oh, yeah. So he shows up. And so they touch him, they handle him, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're falling on their knees and they're praising and they're worshiping him and they're hugging him. And then here comes Thomas later. You won't believe what we have seen and what we have touched and what we have handled. Now let's not get too beat up on Thomas, you know. We probably do the same. Oh, come on, you guys are kidding me. Like my wife, I got to look in that. You see the luggage not in that trunk? I got to see it for myself. <laughs> Honey, it's not in there. I don't believe you. I got to see it for myself. <laughs> I mean, we all do that, don't we? It's not there. It's gone. Well, let me see. I guess you're right. Okay. I didn't, I didn't believe you. When, when I saw for myself, you know, okay, it's not there. <laughs> and so Thomas says, no, I don't believe that. Unless I see with my own eyes, unless I take my hands and I thrust it in his side and I take my fingers and I put them in the imprints of those nail holes, I won't believe. You guys, this is too much of a stretch. Now, wait a minute. Did not he say after three days, Thomas, I will raise up my body? And now it's been confirmed by the women. It's been confirmed by the apostles. And yet, there are still those that do not believe. And well, we find that's true today, don't we? Oh, it's just a math. Never happened. You know, they try to come up with all these different theories. Yeah, you know, they carried his body off. He's buried in a tomb somewhere, and we're trying to find that tomb. Oh, we think we found it. We found someone with the name of... Mary and Yushia on it. That's got to be Jesus and Mary. They were probably married and they went down into Egypt and they were buried there. Yeah, we hear all those stories, don't we? Oh, the devil tries in every way to distort your faith. So Thomas did not believe. But here's the grace of God. God showed up for Thomas. You know, not only does he show up for Thomas, he shows up for us. Didn't Amen. Amen. We read over John's gospel. John chapter 20, verse number 25. 
So <clears throat> we see that Thomas said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my fingers into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. <laughs> but here's the grace of God. And why did Jesus wait until the next Sunday? There is something about Sunday, amen? amen? Sunday is always a new day. That's why we pick Sunday to worship the Lord. Amen. Saturday is your day of rest. Sunday is your day where we meet with the Lord. Right. It's not our Sabbath day, by the way. Sunday is our day to meet with Jesus. And the Bible says, after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the, meet, in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Amen. You know, when Jesus came into my life and into my heart, the first thing that he said to Jim Nolan, who was filled with guilt and filled with doubt and troubled in my soul and fearful of dying and just thinking that if I were to die that very moment, I would spend all of eternity in hell. Once Jesus showed up in my heart, there was peace. The peace of God that passeth all understanding that keeps my heart and mind through Christ Jesus. God gave me peace. And so Jesus says in verse number 27 to Thomas, Reach hither thy fingers. Behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand. Thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Oh, why did he say that? Because he experienced Jesus. He experienced God. That's why he said it. Some people, they have to have an experience. Unless they have an experience, they don't believe. But Jesus said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Amen? How many of you agree with all of that? You see, that's what we have to do in order to be saved. It's, it's nothing else. God has not added anything to it. Amen. You know, there's some people out there who say, well, unless you keep the Sabbath, unless you be circumcised, unless you be baptized, unless you do all these things. But no, you have to believe. Amen. If you believe, then you're going to be baptized. And Amen. yes, you'll be in church. And yes, you'll obey God. But it starts with believing. Amen. You have to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not plus plus and something else. No, it's Jesus and Jesus only and it's trusting in Him. Amen? Amen. And don't let anyone tell you differently. If someone from this church or anyone else says, hey, that preacher's wrong in what he's saying, then get away from him. Amen. Well, the Word of God makes it very clear that we put our faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen.
What's interesting is the Bible makes it very clear that what we have today was passed on to us by the apostles. John made it very clear in John 1, verse number 1 of the first letter of John. He said, that was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of God. He went on to say in verse number 11, this is the record that God had given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You see, once you have life, and then all of a sudden that life lights up your countenance, there's a sparkle in your eye. And all of a sudden there's a testimony in your heart. What God has written, now you know. And you stand upon it. So we read in verse number 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. He didn't say these things that I've written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God plus, 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 plus. No, he said, believe. Jesus said, believe and you shall receive. As many as received him, to them God gave eternal life. As many as believed on his name. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. You see, that belief will carry you all the way through. When you come to life's end, if you're truly saved, you'll believe on his name. I told you the story about Loretta D'Ambrosio when she was dying. Bless her heart. She's just a faithful saint. When I was there at her bedside, she says, Pastor, you didn't need to come down here. I'm okay. Her little old skeletal hands all withered up from cancer. Her flesh was just simply drying up. She was there on her deathbed in the emergency room there at Madigan Hospital. She had to whisper in my ear because she didn't have the strength to say anything above a whisper. And she raised up her body and she said, Pastor, I'm okay. I believe in Jesus. He's with me. I'm ready to go. You didn't have to come. I know there's many people out there need you right now. I don't need you. Jesus is with me. You see, do you have that kind of faith that takes you to the end? Well, it'll take you all the way to Jesus with every head bow.